This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Understanding and commitment for our Bata Torah, which he wasn't obligated to do. There was no obligation on him to go back to Midian, but he felt that compelling need to share that which he had, and for that he felt it was worth giving up all of those spiritual values, the opportunity to learn from Moshe, and felt that that was the right decision. And who confirmed it? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Rabbi Lopiansky is a really must tell you more than nationally, internationally known. He's known from shore to shore of America, Paris, Israel. He's written widely, lectured widely, and indeed he comes from an, an, an extremely hush of the family. And I must tell you that we are indeed very privileged in our community at large to have a Talmud of his rank and more than that, and the recognition and appreciation of leaving our state of Hakdosha. I must also tell you that this is a shvach even more so for his wife. To be able to uproot themselves, to leave Eretz Israel, Yerushalayim, near HaKodesh, the center of Torah, to be able to come to a city, Washington, come to Silver Spring, go ahead and set down roots, to be Marvin Silver. That is his call. That is the purpose for which he came. It wasn't for his own personal learning, which would be far greater than the visionary Israel. It was solely for Harbat and Hatorah. And so indeed, for us, it has been our great gain and privilege in our community to have Rabbi Lopiansky, and especially this evening, to be able to welcome him to our community, to be able to share with us his words on Shuba, the hollow heart. Rabbi Lopiansky, I'm really waiting very much to understand the topic and how your words will fit in yeah, to the hollow heart. Yeah. Rabbi Lopiansky. I remember I spoke here about seven years ago, the first year that I came, I spoke here Elul, and at that time, Rabbi Winter asked me to speak on how to do tshuva and stick with it. I guess it didn't work if I came back again. <laughs> and this time we'll have to speak about, even if you don't stick with it, what did you gain from it? That's really sort of the um, topic. And uh, we'll, we'll hope that this works better than the other one. Seriously speaking, if a person, first of all, on a personal level, if a person does goes through one Yom Kippur and another Yom Kippur, another Yom Kippur, and as much as we try to convince ourselves that we can get to some point that from that point onwards it'll be perfect, 
I don't think anyone really feels that that's going to be the case. Definitely, people feel and hope it'll be better. They feel and hope, you know, there'll be an improvement, and Baruch Hashem, people do improve and do change, and uh, actually there's something very nice that we became partners in, in the Dirshu Kolo, which I think is a, is a, a beautiful thing in the community. But generally speaking, people do feel that they improve and will improve, but to really think that a person will change, people know that come again in Kippur, there'll be plenty to do tshuva for. And if we look, when you learn Chumash, I remember as a child, and then as I come back to it later as an adult, you start gracious, and it's very pristine and pure and everything, and you, you haven't gotten one foot into the parasha, and it's one pothole, it's another pothole, it's another pothole, Adam, the Nachash, Lemach, Kayan, Hevel, Noach, Avodah it, it doesn't seem as if there's constant pattern of doing bad, Onesh, Tikkun, on and on again. That seems to be a recurring pattern, and it almost seems as if it's predestined, if we can say it that way. The truth is, it's not Chatzoshon predestined. It's, uh, every person has his Bechira, and it could have been different. But the Ramchal says that there really were two possible patterns of getting to Kavod Shemayim. One of them was straight sailing, and had other Mauritians managed to actually uh, get till the, till the end of the day without any problems, that would have been it and everything would have been perfect. There's the other road, which we've been on ever since, which is crooked and bumpy and so on, but that's where we're traveling to. He doesn't say that it's a second best road. What he says is, it's an alternate form of Kvot There is a Kvot that's specific to that road that you don't have the other road. Not that God forbid someone could do a various in order to get to that road, but having gone that way, there is something that we have. And it's a lot of time you find the Gemara, the Balchuva is bigger than a tzaddik, a tzaddik is bigger than a Balchuva. Certainly it's, it, it does not allow one to sin in order to do tshuva. But definitely there's something to be said for the Mahalach of tshuva versus the Mahalach of continual perfection. In other words, there, when, if a person looks back at his life, and a person sees stumbling, pulling himself out, stumbling, pulling himself out, it's not only that he's held his own, but there was something gained in it. And the thing, that's the, 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 the kudah that we want to talk about. Since we are forever involved in the process of tshuva, and Yom Kippur is that yontif, what is that point that we gain from it? What is it? that we're left with after Yom Kippur more than before. Besides just being where we were before, there's one of those famous Alice in Wonderland illustrations where they were running madly and they're the same place. And he asked, hey, aren't we running so quickly? How are we in the same place? And she answers that in this world, you have to run madly just to be in the same place. And, and she asked, what happens if you stop? And he answered, well, you go backwards. It seems to us that as much as we push, we're just staying in the same place. And yet, there is something, there is a dramatic, um, there's a dramatic reward for that person who, who goes to Rechon Kippur, and that's the point I'd like to speak about. 
we find a Gemara, and let's, uh, uh, the Gemara in Barbastra, it's, it's built on a Pasuk of last week, etc. It says that Moshe was told to write a Sefer Torah and to put it next to the Aron, next to the Ark, to place the Sefer Torah. It's a machlokis as to whether or not the Sefer Torah was supposed to be in the Aron or not. One Mandiyama says it was not in the Aron, it was next to it. The Torah specifically said, do not keep the Sefer Torah you wrote in the Aron. What is in the Aron? The Luchos and the Shiver Luchos. And it's strange. I mean, if, should not the Sefer Torah be the thing in the Aron? And, and it's as if the Torah says specifically, don't put that Sefer Torah in the Aron. There's room for only two things, the Luchos and the Shiver Luchos. Why not? Why the Luchos and Shiver Luchos and not the Aron? The, the Vilna Gaon says of Pshat, and very laconic, extremely laconic, which is the way he usually writes his Pshatim, and I will try, I'm not going to read it inside, but I will just try to pick out the words so we get the sense of it. It's almost enigmatic. He says, why were the broken Lucas the Aron? Because the Aron is like the heart. In other words, different parts of the Beit HaMikdash were representative of different parts of the human being. You, just like a person has a stomach which digests raw food, so too the Mizbeach is like a stomach, it's intake of raw carbonos and brings out Reach Nechor Lashem. The, 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 the menorah might be like the eyes and so on. Different parts of the Beit HaMikdash, a human being is a small world and the Beit HaMikdash is a small world. The heart is the Aram. The Luchos, I would assume, were connected the mind or the Seichos. He does not say that. I don't want to say what he doesn't say. But he just says, because the Aram is like the heart. And the Gemara says <coughs> that there are two approaches for a person who wants to do right. If he's a Talmud Chacham, he should learn. And if he's not Ma'aret, he should become humble. As it says, Zifchei Elokim Ruach Nishbara. The offerings to HaKadosh Baruch Hu are a broken heart. Those are the two elements that was there. There was one Luchos, which is Torah, and the broken Luchos, which is humility. And he says, this is like the two hollows of the heart. And let me explain it. It's very cryptic, and, and, and he does explain it a little bit somewhere else. It's explained in different places. The fact that the heart, I mean, we, we know that four chambers, I assume they're talking about the two major chambers, the two ventricles. There are two major chambers in the heart, and one of them is seen as being the place for the Sahara, one for the Tol. Again, this is symbolic uh, language, but it's meant to be very representative. One part of the heart, one, one of those chambers is filled, usually is filled with blood, and that is like the Sahara, which is seen as being the passion, the heat, the blood of a person. And the other one is more often empty, and that is seen as being the, the filled with Ruach, and that's Yitzhah Tov. So he says the two, the two parts, the one that's usually empty and the one filled with blood, is also aligned with Yitzhah and Yitzhah And he says, 
Um, and that's why David HaMelech says, V'libi cholol bekirvi. My heart had become hollowed out. And that's where we got the name from. So please be solved where we got the name from. Libi cholol bekirvi is, my heart became totally empty. That is what David HaMelech said. It's a passing tilim, kuftet, and the Goran just leaves it over here. In other places, the Gemara says that David HaMelech had a very strong Yetzirah. And by fighting with himself, and by, it says, by fasting and by leading a ascetic lifestyle, he emptied it out and he became completely good. And that's called Belibi Cholobikirbi. My heart has become hollowed out, empty, and full with Yetzirah. There's something besides understanding what the Gon wants to say over here, what is he trying to say with, the, with this comparison, I also would like to stop at another point. It's not only the Gon. In a lot of places, the hollow heart is used as a symbol for a person who's become good. Now, we would expect if the heart full with blood is the representative of a heart that is good, is bad, Sahara and the blood and heat and passion and desire and craving and so on, there should be some other positive quality that represents the good. Some other part, which, whatever it would be. But the fact that the good heart is simply an emptied out heart, the fact that all it is is a heart where you've emptied out the blood, it doesn't seem to be quite right that the person who's become a psychic has an empty heart. Well, isn't goodness a positive quality? Isn't there, isn't there something that we can say what it is, not what it's not? The word hollow means a hollow. It means empty. Um, the Gon says someplace that a, a dead person is called a halal in, in Tanakh. And the Gon says it refers to specifically, most specifically, to someone who's been stabbed and the blood's gone out of the, the heart. It's been hollowed out. Hollow means a hollowed out. That's a very negative, it, it's just talking about what's not there. How does that become the positive entity? That is um, something that's bothersome about the concept of Libi Cholbi Kirbi as being positive. Besides the fact that we'd like to understand what exactly the goal means, that you have the, the Luchos and the broken Luchos, and one is like the other, and so on and so forth. There's another goal. This is in his Pirish Androchos. And it is maybe even a little more enigmatic than this one. He deals with the same theme, uh, speaks about the same thing, but in a different way. And we'd like to understand that in the same context. Let me tell you first the Gemara and Brachas as the, as the Gemara is. The Gemara says that David HaMelech would learn Torah at the beginning of the evening. He would fall asleep for a very short time, and a fiddle was above his bed. At midnight, a wind would come, the northern wind would come, and the fiddle would begin to play by itself and awaken him to say, Shiraz is the Shvachas would awaken him to, to say, Tfilas and Tehillim, Shvachas Come morning, the, the Chachamim would arrive and they would ask, they would ask uh, him, how do we support Israel? How do we economically give Parnassah to Kali Israel? He would say, you, um, 
you, you, uh, how about trading with each other? And the Gemara says that's not viable because you cannot fill up a ditch with its own earth. So they would say, fine, go to other nations, and with that he resolved it. That is the Gemara in Brachos. So the Gemara says he, there was this fiddle, and the fiddle would begin playing by itself, and that would awaken him. The Goran explains what is the symbolism of this fiddle, and what are we talking about. The Goran says like this, The kinor, this fiddle that we're talking about, romezes <coughs> lenishmas ha'odom. It alludes to the person's own soul. It's as if the soul of David Amela hung above him, hovered above him when he was sleeping. And it says, and the Goran finds uh, a, a uh, remis for it, as only the Goran could. There's a postic that says, Ne'er Hashem Nishmas Adam. The, the lamp of the lantern of God is the soul of man. And Ne'er Hashem is Gematrius, Oisius almost Kinor. It's fiddle. So it's the same Gematrius. And he says, What was this fiddle? He says, In the heart there are two hollows, one of blood and one that's empty. And as when he empty, and when he killed the Sahara and his whole heart became empty, it automatically strummed by itself. That is what the Goan explains the Gemara. So the fiddle wasn't an external alarm clock that sat there waking him up, but rather his own neshama, because it had been hollowed out and emptied out, became something of it, it became a fiddle, and it would begin playing by itself. There is an emphasis in the Gemara that it, it was menaging me akno. It started playing by itself. And the Goran says this belongs to this the same idea of having the heart with the hollows and so on. And let's try to explain it a little bit. When a person thinks of mitzvahs and the world of mitzvahs and the insignificance, a person thinks of self-perfection. A person thinks of um, that a person has gone a step forward and realizes that being spiritual is important and doing mitzvahs is important and self-improvement is important and so on. And that is true. A person is definitely much nobler and much and much more important and, and, and of greater stature when he's spiritual and perfect and so on. But there's a flaw. Imagine somebody is, is going out on a date and he makes himself as nice as can be. He wants to appear nicely, he's wearing nice clothing, he, he dresses well, and so on. And that's the way it should be. It shows that you appreciate the other person and you try to look as nice as you can. But what happens when that crosses over the border into vanity? In other words, where the person is focused on himself and you get the impression that it's not the person who's looking his best to come across to you, but he's become fixed on himself. He's become, he's become happy with the way he looks. That's a turn-off, because the purpose of that attraction is to reach out towards the other person and, and, and to form a bond. If the person kind of binds into himself, then the person is, is, um, is, is not at all attractive, and it's defeating the purpose. There's a point that we forget in the Olam HaMitzvos 
in, in the world of mitzvahs are meant to perfect a person. Yes. And a person who is, who has a lot of averis, is crippled and is ugly and so on. True. But if there is no feeling at the bottom of those mitzvahs, that they're there in order to form a bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if the person is self-satisfied and, and very happy with what he is, because he is what he is, and he made himself, and, and he is he, then, then the person kind of becomes, loops into himself, and, and, and it's a turn-off completely. In other words, in the world of mitzvahs itself, there's a very critical element that is lack, that is at the very, very bottom of it. All of the mitzvahs that a person does is for the purpose of making himself attractive to HaKadosh Baruch And if those mitzvahs lack that base, and all they are is the feeling of how wonderful he is that he's done so much, that seals off any possibility of bonding, and it becomes, and it completely defeats its purpose. The, 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 in, in, in the world when we bond things, if you have something that is empty, then it becomes a vehicle for something else. When you have, uh, when you want to join together a surface, let's say we want to make a chair, so a, a full way of bonding two pieces is to stick glue on it and to put them together. A better way is when we hollow out one joint and we put in, I don't know, Hebrew they call Diblim, I don't know, I forgot what they're called. In, um, there is some name for it in carpentry, but it's not, I, I don't come to mind. The wooden pegs. And you, what? Yeah. Dowels. And you put dowels in and, and you, you bind them together. They become joined very strongly because the, the, you've made, the hole in one becomes filled with the other one. In other words, emptying one part in order to allow joining with the other with the, with the other part is what creates that bond. So down deep at the process of mitzvahs, the perfection is not where the person becomes great, but where the person realizes all he is is a kibul for Hakadosh Baruch all he is is a receptacle for Hakadosh Baruch Just like when when the attitude a person gives off who dresses up well and presents himself well is, I like you, I want you, and I need you, and that's why I'm presenting myself to you, then it becomes the way to bond. If the attitude is, look how great and fantastic I am, then you're sealing off. So what do you need me for? I mean, an audience. I don't need anything more than that. So, so that becomes a way to break off. So in the very, a tzaddik is full of tremendous qualities, except for one point. In the deepest part of the person, it's hollow. It's empty because the whole person is built around being a kibble, being a vessel for containing a Kaddish be creating that receptacle so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could bond with him. So in the whole structure of that, of that personality, it is the emptiness that's the very core of the person that makes, uh, that allows the bond and really is the shlemus of that person. So we have here an understanding of why it is that the word cholol is actually 
good is described as empty. On every other facet of a person's behavior, his chesed, empty chesed is terrible. You need lots of chesed. Learning is not for learning. Davening is not for davening. Everything in good is a lot. It's a positive quality. Except for one point, and that is the very, very sense of the personality. What am I? And, 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 and the answer to that is, I am nothingness awaiting to be filled. That is the core of that personality. So the, the Ra is bad. Ra is passion, desire, greed, ambition. Everything that we associate with, with, with the quality of blood is Ra. The Tov is not something else stuffing up the heart. It's something else where the heart is empty and, and it's retaining its emptiness that it's waiting for something. That is why the Tov is described as color. Let's go back to those Gemaras and let's try to understand them. A fiddle is something which, even though we see the strings as being what makes the sound and so on, if you were to try to put strings across a solid piece of wood, it would not make much of a sound. The, the fiddle is actually the sound of those strings resonating against the emptiness in the box. The hollow of the, of the box is what gives rise to the sound of the fiddle. The strings create it, but it, it, what, 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 what gives the sound is, is, is the sound of those strings against an empty box. That is what the Goring is trying to say in David Amelach. David Amelach has, the Neshama is a fiddle for all of us. It's not, it doesn't play any music for us because it's stuffed up. You, you can have the finest strings on a solid block of wood, there are no sounds. David Amelach had an empty heart, he had hollowed out his heart, so the music, so as soon as the slightest breeze came against those strings, it played by itself because it was completely, a, his neshama was totally a fiddle for Kaddish Baruch Hu's That's what it says. And if you, if you see the end of it, it's so, it's so beautiful, it's so profound the, the, how Chazal explained his advice to Klal Yisrael. They came and asked him, we need Parnassa. Parnassa is that a person realizes he needs intake from someplace. In other words, a person wakes up in the morning, he's fine and good, he's hungry. I need something to fill me. I have an empty stomach. It's cold outside. I need, I, I'm, I'm naked. I need a roof over my head. Parnassa is the, what a person is lacking in an essential way. So they came to him and they said, we need Parnassa. So he said, try filling yourself up from yourself. Try feeding yourself. And they said, you can't fill yourself from yourself. A person cannot lock himself in within himself and, be, and, and live off it. You can't survive by eating the flesh of your hand and make yourself full. You, 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 you're eating one spot to fill another spot. So he said, ah, really? So take from outside. In other words, when a person feels self-sufficient and smug about himself, then, then the person is trying to fill himself with himself. There's, he's got no need for anything coming in. 
that's that's the opposite of a klikibul. So he said, so so Dovra taught them this the same lesson that he was a complete empty hollow waiting to be filled, and 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 the and uh, he taught them why don't you fill up why don't you fill your soul from yourself? And they said that's impossible. So he said now you realize that a person needs intake from outside. That is what the God means to say in Dovra Melech and his fiddle. Let's go back to the loopholes. The loopholes, the, the Goran says there are two areas in which a person needs, a person can reach the same results either from Torah or from humility. If the person is a Talmud Chacham, let him get it from Torah. And if the person is not a Talmud Chacham, then humility will provide it. Of all the activities that a person does, all the mitzvahs are not a confrontation to a person's sense of self. If a person gives tzedakah, that's very nice. I gave tzedakah, it's fine. A person puts on film, a person davens, and so on. All of those areas are, um, there's the person who's doing a wonderful act. Learning Torah means the person says, I don't know something. The, 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 the approach to Torah is no one is studying something he knows about. Studying something means I need to know. I don't know. All the mitzvahs can be seen as acts of de that deeds. Uh, so I'm a great person. I'm a very generous fellow. I give tzedakah. I'm a very holy fellow. I put on film. None of the mitzvahs are direct confrontations to a person's sense of self. Learning Torah the way it should be learned, where the person says, I need to know what's right and wrong. I don't know it myself. Whereas the secular world put down as an axiom that my own understanding is what makes me into a person, and I need nothing but my own understanding. The basis for learning Torah is, I don't know myself, and I need to hear it from someone else. Akadosh Baruch Hu, a Rebbe, the Gemara, Torah. But, but the, the essence of trying, of learning is filling a vacuum in my mind. You can never learn, if you think you know it, it's impossible to learn. But if the person, if the person, in order to learn, a person must say to himself, I don't know. That is step one. Or, if someone is incapable of learning, then directly confronting a person's sense of self by being broken-hearted, by being humble, is what creates that same effect of hollowness. So the Goan says that in the very oral, only two things could stay there, and that is the luchos and the broken luchos. Because even the Sefer Torah was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. It was man's deeds, and man's deeds are wonderful. But the only things that could be that could be put in the Aron Kodesh are the luchos, which is onochi Hashem alakera. In the very essence of, of 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 a person's spiritual self, of Kalal Yisrael's spiritual self, the only thing that could be there is onochi Hashem alakera. Is the I, I, the letter I, of Hakadosh Baruch Hu Himself. No deeds, no sefer Torahs, 
anything after that, anything after Sarasa Dibrif is already, is already um, a, a deed of a person. In the heart, you have two things. The luchos, which is what Hashem wrote, and now we get to the second point, and the broken luchos. The broken luchos are where man failed and it collapsed on. Those are the only two things that properly can be put there. And let's, and let's approach that because that's really the point that's more shy to us now. Yom Kippur is also a yontif. That is, Yom Kippur is a yontif that is a, a commemoration of an event. And it's the commemoration of the giving of the second luchos. It includes in itself the breaking of the first luchos as well. It's a yontif, Yom Kippur, because there were luchos that were broken and luchos that were giving. We do tshuva because we commemorate the luchos that were broken, and it has in itself elements of simcha and yontif because of the luchos that were returned to us. The Maral says a very profound thought on the same Gemara. The Maral says that the luchos that were broken were, why were they in the Aro? What purpose? So he said, one purpose is they were good when they were given, and had they not been given, we never would have gotten a second one. So they're kind of there as the Luchas Emeritus, so to speak. It's like, these were the Luchos. Had we not started with these Luchos, we would have, we would have, um, we never got the second Luchos. Fine, that's a good explanation. Then the Maral says, I have a more profound explanation. The first Luchos broken together with the second luchos, belong as they are in the Aram Kodesh. Not the pshat that they served as a predecessor. And, well, you know, we have to respect the Emeritus also. The first luchos, when they are broken and joined with the second luchos, are properly the very heart of Kaliso. And he says, understand this because it's a very deep point. That's what he says. It doesn't elaborate more. What he means to say is that the shvira of those luchos, the fact that Kalal Yisrael had created luchos and fell through in the most terrible way possible, Cheta Eagle, and it became cracked and broken, is part and parcel of Kalal Yisrael's Ruchni Sikhimusiyah. The, 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 the understanding that that a person, when he reaches the highest point, can still collapse, and does collapse, is the most important Nekuda of Kalal Yisrael. If it was fixed by a second Luchos. Understandably, if the person stayed by the failure, it's nothing. But having failed and succeeded, the original um, failure is part of it. There's a very interesting, it's a bit of a side parenthetic remark, but I'd like to say it over because it's a beautiful verse. When Rebbeir Shapiro built Lublina Yeshiva, this was an extraordinary undertaking. Yeshivas in Europe did not look as grand as Yeshivas today, as Chavos Chaim in, 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 in Farsil. Not even like Yeshiva Beit Washington, <laughs> which, which is, is getting there, but, but not even like that. Yeshivas in, in Europe were all broken down shacks with a lot, a lot of Torah going on, but nothing else. 
Ramea Shapira had a dream, first of all, to make yeshiva in Poland. Most yeshivas were in the Lithuanian part of Poland and Lithuania and Siddish uh, circles. It was, there were no real big formal yeshivas. And also, it was to be the grandest building possible. And he killed himself raising funds to make the, the grandest building he could imagine. And it was a stunning building. It's still there. It's a school for nurses. And it, he, he put into it everything that a person could possibly, everything majestic that he could imagine. And on the day that he inaugurated it, he called together all the gdolim of Europe and Poland, and it was, it, was an, it was an awesome event. It was sadly to last only two or three years, if not mistaken. It was built in the late 30s, and the war broke out, and himself died before the war. It, it, was, it was a burst of sunlight, and a, burst, a start of burst now it. But at the Hanukkah Tabayas, when they tried to dedicate it, the Tsharsk of a Rebbe was the God Lador at that time. And he was supposed to go first, speak, or put on mezuzahs, or whatever, and he wouldn't leave his room. And he asked him, why not? And he said he's scared. It says that the first luchos were given with great fanfare, and that's why they broke. Because things that are given with great fanfare suffer from Ayn Haram. The second luchos that were more modestly given, the they they um, lasted. So he said he's very, very scared. This, he's never seen such fanfare and such grandiosity. And he's scared that this is not going to last. So Mayor Shapiro, who, who was an extraordinarily gifted speaker and, and, and very sharp with it, and very quick with the response, told him the following. He said, Rebbe, why did Hashem give Luchos is such fanfare if he knew how dangerous it is to have Luchos with such fanfare? He said, I'll tell you why. He said, the world was sunk into misery, depravity, and culture, and it was not possible to bring Torah into the world without blasting a trumpet in everybody's ears. You needed an astounding event to break through. Once you broke through, you could go with a, with a low key. But no matter what the price was, you had to start with a big bang or else nobody would hear it. He said, Rebbe, I just heard two French journalists outside asking why in the world would somebody come study ancient Babylonian texts that haven't been used for a few thousand years. He said, in a world like that, I need this fanfare to break through. And even if it doesn't last, but the breakthrough is going to be with this. And Shasky Rebbe nodded, and he went out and made a bunch of ice. And unfortunately, he, he was, uh, it was the words were prophetic. It did not last. But I, but I assume the second half did come true. That was his remark, and it's a very, very beautiful, insightful point about it. But I want to bring it back to the point that the morale is making here. The morale is saying a step further. It, uh, the real heart of Kalal Yisrael is a luchos with a broken luchos together. That is the essence. The understanding of how much a person is and the understanding of what a person is not. The, the accomplishment a person has rests on the too sharp understanding of what the person does not have. That is Shlemus Akal Yisrael. There were two people, two giants in Kal Yisrael, Shol HaMelech and David HaMelech. Shol HaMelech is someone 
who the Chazal seemed to imply was really essentially a greater person than Rabbi Melech. He was never tainted with sin. He was somebody that stood, as the Pasuk says, from shoulders above everyone else. And a lot of Chazal seemed to allude to this, that Shoal was the so-called greater of the two people, if we could measure. And the Gemara says, so how come Shoal's kingdom, Shoal's monarchy did not last, and David's did? And the Gemara says, Oma Reb Yehuda, Oma Shmuel, why did not the kingdom of Shaul continue? Royalty and monarchy are supposed to continue onwards. And the Gemara gives the most fascinating answer. Because there was nothing wrong. His family was impeccable. They did not have the problems of Zoramela's family, that there were questions about the Yichos. He never had any major veros. It was impeccable. And that's why it didn't last. And Rashi says, oh, it's, it's almost astounding. We would, we would, he said, And therefore it would breed a, a, a family of kings that would feel haughty about themselves. And the Gemara says, um, I guess it's the Amr of Yechem Shem Shemi Yatsodok, a Mamitan Parnis ala Tzibur al Imke Kupa Shoshotim Kuyam Achayro. That it's good that a person has had some upsets, some problems in, in his background. Shem Tazuach Daite Olaf, if he starts becoming haughty, Omrim Lo Chazor Lacharepa. We tell him, look back. Since we, I mean, it's only today that it's so great. Yesterday there were problems. In other words, the king of Kalal Yisrael, the Rambam says, and, and such a beautiful, fitting lotion, the Rambam says that the Melech is Liban Shal Yisrael. He's the heart of Kalal Yisrael. That's what the king is. The, the, the heart that is Shleimus is the one that has a big hole in the middle. The, 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 the Kupa Shal Shratim and the Malchus, the Dofi and the Malchus, that hollowed out inside of, of the heart of Kalal Yisrael, is what can last. A heart that's full and smug and, and very s happy with itself is something that can't last. That is Dovid Amela. Dovid Amela had his own issues, his dofi, and when, when, he, when, when he worked on it, it became that hollowed fiddle that, 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 that we mentioned in, in the Chazal before. Let's put it together and, and let's wrap it up. The process of tshuva in itself deals with a person's failures. And as they are failures, they're failures. A person didn't give the tzakish, a person didn't down the kavanish, a person didn't do the mitzvahs with the diktuk, and not the kavana, and, and the person didn't spend enough time learning, and not enough attentive enough. Those are all true. And, and dealing with that, those are failures. And the fact that we have to redo them and do tshuva on it, that itself doesn't that's not something that we're proud of, and it's something that's hard. Year after year, we have to rebuild it. But the, when the person overcame his failure, then he's got shivrei luchos together with his luchos in his heart. He's got in his own self, the person who does a mitzvah and realizes that, you know, 
it's, it's not so posh that he did a mitzvah. One of the themes that is very much of Siddish's firm, and the Goran says it in his own language, is the understanding that a mitzvah is done with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not only mundane affairs that, you know, Pinasa, Rafua, and so on, that's up HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but doing mitzvahs is an act of, of that. The Goran says it in his language, he says the word asher is used only in in the in, in Berchus HaMitzvahs. Asher Kishar Mitzvah Yisavitzivanu, and so on. The Goran says the word asher is the conjunction in Hebrew grammar. It's got, it doesn't mean anything. It, it's, it's simply a word that joins two things. And he says, because every mitzvah is God's hand taking a person and doing it with him together like a v'choros ima bris type of, of, of maizah. What a person gets out of his failures, out of his humility, when a person realizes, you know, I tried and did, I'm not as strong as I thought I was, I'm not as big as I thought I was, I'm not as magnanimous as I thought I was, I'm just not where I thought I was. The beauty of it and what remains of it is that the person, whatever he does do, he understands the Akkadish Baruch inside him. There's a Kutzka Vart, and the Kutzka was very known for sharp and very, very pointed um, little sayings. <coughs> and he said, there are three things. He said, there is nothing as straight as a slanted ladder. Another thing I don't remember offhand. And he says, there is nothing as whole as a broken heart. In other words, the, 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 the good of a heart is when it's completely hollow. That's when, that's when uh, a, a person is perfected. So the simcha that we have after Yom Kippur, the hashivali sasonish echo, the fact that a person is, gets something out of Yom Kippur, is not only from the betterment itself, but it's from the knowledge of the failures that he carries with him. The simple understanding that a person has, that he, down deep, all he has is waiting for HaKadosh Baruch Hu Siyat All he has is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him. The most beautiful tune that the person plays is not the one that he sings. When a person sings his own, it's limited. But when the person hollowed himself out, then he becomes a fiddle for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's songs. When he's perfectly hollow and there's none of his own clutter, Clogging up the fiddle, then Me'elam was Menachik. And, 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 and the person realized that what he lives off is Akharish Baruchu, and, and, and his whole being is simply a strand to be played by Akharish Baruchu's work. See you at the Are there any questions? Yeah. I don't 
it's hard for the city out of perspective because that's what we're holding now. And also, there must be an extreme to the Correct, correct. That's what the guard says. There is, it's the Luchos and Shivilukos together. If there's no, if the person just a Shivilukos, like you said, that call is a mate. It's, it's where the person is something, and, and yet he's, he's uh, there's an expression that somebody said about somebody else. He, he is a modest person, and for good reason. That, that, that type of modesty is not a, a you're right, that, that, that type of modesty is, is not a Milo. But for the person who seems to have what the, he's playing a, 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 a song, and he realizes that it's only a Kachrov, so that's the mild person, correct? Also true, in other words, the Kilu, the Dvar Hashem, was an independent part of it. It's, it's, it's a good point that you're making. He's, he, what he would like to point out is, it says the inscription on the Luchos went through and through. In other words, it wasn't as if the stone itself gave the Luchos. It was, it was the empty part of the stone, so to speak, that was the Dvar Hashem. That's a nice point. Okay. All right,